Hey everybody, it is Family from the Product Led Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about product led storytelling. I'm excited to have Victor here. He is the one who coined this term and he presented in the Product Led Summit. So I'm super excited to chat with him how content fits into a product led growth strategy. If you're really interested about that, you got to check out this episode. How's it going, Victor? How are things with you this afternoon for you, I guess? <laughs> Fine, I'm fine, John. Really excited to talk about for the Lester in there. Nice, nice. Before we get started, I love asking questions that are not related to the topic, just to warm up the audience and warm up the start of the episode. I ask you what you love to do outside of work, and you said you love reading. So I'm really curious, what is your favorite book? It doesn't matter if it's fiction or nonfiction. What is the one book that you go to a lot? Uh, well, that will be Seven Habits of Highly Effective ah, People. Ah, Stephen Colby. Uh, yeah, I think I've, I've read that book like three times now and I still can't get enough. That's super cool, man. I've read that book as well and really, really love that book. Anyway, let's jump in. Let's talk about product-led storytelling. I'm curious, first of all, you know, this might be something that people are asking. What is product-led storytelling? And why do you think it's super important for product-led companies to care about it? Well, product-led storytelling, let me start from what it is and why I, I deemed it necessary to coin it. Product-led storytelling is a product-focused kind of content marketing. You know, coming into this product-led era, you know, we've all been trained about inbound, so we're always looking at content from three stages, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, and everything about inbound is about getting people from the top and then you know, funneling them out from the bottom. You know, but when you look at it with the duplication of so many SaaS products today, a typical customer doesn't want to you know, become your lead, have to talk to a salesperson, they want to dive into the product and see firsthand if the product is actually going to solve their problem, which is what product-led growth you know, addresses. So product-led storytelling is like, instead of using our content to bring in clients and or prospects and when we go back and forth about they are going to be an MPL, SQL, let's talk about the story of the product in a way that relates to their problem and then Get them into the product immediately, and then let them decide if it was if it's going to is what is what considering for a long term commitment and all that. Oh, that totally makes sense. And I think you know one of the questions that you answered in the product led summit presentation is how this fits into the classic marketing funnel with top of the funnel, tofu, middle of the funnel, and bofu, which is bottom of the funnel. Yeah. So how it fits into the funnel is. Now, the way product-led storytelling fits in is we have to look at the customers from what they need. So let's say I go to Google to search for uh, the best podcast tools, for an example, or it can a consultant like me use podcasts to run my business. That kind of keyword would be like, we will consider it the top of the funnel keyword. So... You, the SaaS company creating content, the only thing you want to know about the query that you're covering is that, okay, this is a stage the customer or the prospect is, he's not actually looking for a SaaS product or in whatever product to solve his problem or to become a podcaster immediately. He's just trying to consider 
if podcasting can be helpful to his business. So you are addressing him at that stage, but at the same time, you're not trying to you're not trying to convert him into a lead, and you know, you tell him that hey, yes, it's possible. Your content, you tell him that hey, yes, it's possible. You, as a consultant, you can use podcasts to grow your business. And by the way, we have a product here that can help you do that. If you want to go create another content for someone that says top podcasting tools, yeah, you you do justice to that. You make you know, list a couple of podcasting tools that you know that kind of search now be for someone who is ready to invest in a podcasting tool. The same approach, you acknowledge where the person is on the customer journey, but the execution is aimed at the same thing, getting them into the product because the product is free to use or at least it has a free trial. So what's the point having to juggle them between sales team, qualification teams and all that? So the only thing you want to know about the sales funnel is that where are my prospects? Okay, this search query we want to create content on. What is their mindset? How do we present? What context is it going to make sense? Once you know that, you still execute the content in a way that acknowledges where they are, but is aimed at wanting, getting them into the product. Mm, that totally makes sense. Well, I'm really curious how this relates. You know, you talk about this as content driving people to sign up for a free trial or free user. How is product-led storytelling different from, you know, the traditional content marketing? Is it more because it's focused on driving that free trial sign up for product-led businesses or is, is it something else? In that aspect, yes, it's not a complete revolution to content marketing per se. It's not a black and white, I don't know what I call it, a black and white situation where this is a stark different thing from content marketing. The only difference here is, is that the act of storytelling. So usually, you know, with approach content, me, I'm equally guilty of this, with approach content marketing, most SaaS companies have approached content marketing from, hey, I want to rank on Google, hey, I want to be the number one and such results for this. And by doing that so much, which of course it still has its own place, by doing that, so many companies have lost, you know, their self in the maze of activities that they don't even care for the people who are going to consume the content. So we have tools here and there that tells you that you should put this keyword here, put this um, search query here. So now people are optimizing content just to rank. And mm. by doing that, you're losing track of the people who are actually going to read this content and decide for themselves if, if this content is actually going to be valuable to them. So storytelling comes in there and says, hey, yes, it's important to acknowledge that you're going to rank. But in this time and age, you mustn't really rank for your content to perform, for your content to convert. So where I think content, this product-led storytelling differs from the, the typical content marketing is create content that is helpful for the end user. Mm. Use storytelling, use stories that resonate with them and get them to want to say, hey, this content has taught me how to solve this problem. And oh, they've even given me an opportunity to try this product and solve my problem. You understand? And the only way you can keep people in on your content piece for them to like, you know, get influenced by what you write or the kind of content you create is not by 
checking all the SEO checklists is by creating a story that resonates with them. So that's just the difference because people must get soaked in this content. They must get engaged and feel like, oh, I love what I just read. Mm. This thing is, it absolutely resonates with me. So that's where storytelling comes in. Let me give you a typical example. Yeah. I was doing, I did, I was working on a content, a recently I was working on a content piece for OpenView Partners. And I was talking about food SaaS onboarding. And I fell on one of your content piece, the uh, onboarding chosen. By the way, I gave you a link to that. Oh, thank so, you. <laughs> so you let's look at the way you introduced that content. You know, you talked about Disney land, you talked about, you know, you were trying to empathize, you were trying to mix, you were going somewhere, you know. That story alone was why I was able to stay on that content until you started making sense of the point you were driving at. You understand? Meanwhile, before now, what we just do is people just stand up, are you trying to increase your onboarding flow? You know, just straight to the point. Why? Because they said uh, your keyword must be in the first hundred words. So you now forget the human being who is going to enjoy the content and come up with creative angles that will make them want to stay and actually enjoy the content. All you're looking at is, oh, where do I put the keyword? Oh, I just want to run. I just want to get more traffic. I just want to do that. And it doesn't help anybody. So mm, That was a great example. Thank you for talking about the piece I wrote about the custom. I want to talk a little bit about storytelling. Because, you know, that's something that's hard to nail down. It's even something that I'm trying to do more, creating better stories for, you know, because that really, you talked about it, it empathizes the end user towards whatever you're trying to sell. They're, it tears down their objections. So I'm curious, you have developed this nine-step product-led storytelling. How can people create better stories to really, uh, you know, use for what you call product-led storytelling? Okay. Stories is it's not storytelling is an is an art, mm. right? If I'm gonna use that word. I don't think storytelling has a checklist that you say, oh, you've written this sentence, you've <laughs> uh, crossed the yeah, like uh, put this comma, you've put this full stop. So storytelling is I think I like to approach storytelling from context and relevance. You know, those are the only two criteria I like to like I like to look at it from. So where I'm trying to drive away with that is, okay, let me stick with the content, your content. I'm, I'm not going to go to my own kind of content. Let me stick with you so that you can really relate to it and people can always jump back there and see what I'm saying. So now, when you want to write a content piece, you know, something made you to choose Disneyland. A book, it, it wasn't like, it's not, they were, so you could have chosen any other thing, but you decided to go for Disneyland. Something in you must have told you that probably the people who are going to read this content will resonate with Disneyland, right? Yeah. No. Yep. Yeah, and that is a popular, maybe a popular topic that okay, even if you've not been to Disneyland before, you have an idea that when you yeah. go there, these are some of the, you know. So now that is empathy. Mm. You are you are able to say, oh, let me write something that they are going to they are going to understand. You know. Meanwhile. Someone else could just start a kind of content piece and start telling a story of, let's say, how he traveled to Nigeria or how maybe about war, about something that is the person who, the person reading the content who can't is a good story, yes, but they can't relate with it. Mm. 
So the first thing you want to check in that storytelling playbook is context and empathy. So you step mm, back and say, who am I writing for? You know, what story can I tell that they are going to resonate with? So if I know someone, if I'm going to write something for someone that's all in into inbound marketing and there is nothing you're going to tell him about inbound marketing that you that will make him to feel like you know is not working. I could start with a story like, oh fine, you you are very great at all. Uh, I can just use anybody's a, a random name and say, uh, let me use your name for example. John is so good at inbound marketing. He created very good series of content for the top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom of the funnel. And they were generating interest. They were ranking on Google because he had nailed the topic exhaustively. But then something happened. All those leads were converting into product users or new customers. I think at that point, that is a story where I have made sense to somebody that is all about inbound marketing. Mm. You understand? Yeah. So that's the way it is. So first, you have to empathize with the user or the person who is going to consume the content. What story? Are you going to tell him that he'll read and feel like, oh, I need to dive deeper into this content? What triggers are you going to use? Sometimes it could be just a quote from somebody, which is typical of what you will hear in the normal content marketing. So there is no concrete definition of what the story should look like. It's about putting yourself into the shoes of the end user and say, hey, I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to lead this story to this because this person who's going to consume this content would make sense of this story. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like you really want to empathize. You know, that's a great point. Like you're providing context. That's like, should be the foundation of any marketing, right? And I love how you're bringing it into, into content. Once you have context, once you have empathy, what would be for you the next step to really drive home? Yeah, so... The next step is to not forget that content marketing is a tool. It's a very, mm. very serious business tool. You know, people tend to approach it like just one of those things they have to do. But well, as a content marketer and one who uses content to help businesses grow, content marketing is a very serious business too. So yes, the first phase is to like empathize. You know, get people to feel like, get people settled into the content and feel like, oh, I, I want to dive deep into this. I want to learn more about this. Once you've crossed that line, the next thing is to talk about why they came. Because, yeah, it's a good story, but now, to what end? As mm. a typical reader would ask. But to what once you've done, that first phase of relevance and context and empathy to get them settled into your you want to tell them why you even brought up a story. How is this content going to help me? Where are we headed to? And again, I'm going to stick with your content piece. Immediately, you talked about the Disney story. Immediately, you now got to a point where you said, hey, that Disney story is the unbutting. If you do it well, you go to Wonderland. If you don't do it well, you're going to lose the prospect. Now, the difference between doing it well and not doing it well, I remember you said it is user onboarding or CE, mm. an excellent SaaS onboarding. So now that is my problem because the reason why I clicked on the content in the first place was because of the title. It was going to teach me how to do onboarding, you know? So the story was to help me settle in. The next phase is to make the reader understand that, yes, this may be about a story that resonates with you, but 
don't worry, we are still here to solve your problem. That totally makes sense as well. You know, you can't just engage and create empathy. You need to drive them to somewhere and really like, you know, you're kind of taking them on a journey, right? (laughs) Just like that typical story. Yeah, it's it's a journey. It's a journey. Once you have that, you're taking them on a journey. What's the next step to that to really like maybe start thinking about moving on to the next step? So once you have that, you make the person feel like, okay, this contest is actually going to solve my problem. Now, this is where you start coming in with, you know, start building authority and making them have a, a belief that, okay, not just is this content going to teach me how to solve this problem or at least point me towards the right direction. This person talking about this content or this company or wherever the content was published has some credibility to talk about this content or to talk about this topic. And credibility here doesn't mean that you must have had 20 years of experience or it may be in your product or 100 years of experience. People use leverage. And for this, I like there's this small stock I heard once, I can't get to put his name now. He talked about resourcefulness. So that is one of the advantages of using content marketing as a tool. Most times you don't even have to be the person validating the point that, okay, this content is going to show you how to solve this problem. You could leverage the statistics. Oh, these statistics show that something like this happened. So it makes sense for you to do this. But this expert that the target audience can relate with or would respect or revere, said something like this, or, you know, just to like, now at this point, you're trying to build credibility. You're trying to like get more context, make them to like enjoy what they, all this while you're still injecting little bits of storytelling, you know, some interesting things, some interesting angles that will make them keep reading because the action points starts happening at the bottom of the content. Or towards the bottom of the content. Mm, that totally makes sense. That's really good. Like, I love how you covered. I noticed that covers pretty much the whole funnel now, right? The top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom <laughs> of the funnel. Like how you structured that particularly. Yeah. In terms of that, what are some common mistakes that you've seen companies make when they're taking this step-by-step process? Are are there places where companies are ignoring or maybe just not? focusing as much time on a specific area in this journey? Okay, I'm going to give you a very typical example. And I think so many people are guilty of this. I was guilty of this before now. It's the area of, you know, that same... Yes, let me address something first. I understand that for some product, for some SaaS products, where you know there's a lot of key decision makers that have to decide if it is going to be what they invest in. Let's say enterprise SaaS products, you know. So you can't expect um, a reader to just read your content and maybe sign a hundred thousand dollar check and start using the product. You know, in those kind of cases, those are rare exceptions. But in cases where there is a free trial. I like to talk about free trials and a, a freemium model entirely where a person can use a certain, some certain aspect of the product for a lifetime. Let's say Slack, for an example. I don't see any need why within the content piece, you should be telling people to download your white paper mm. or like when someone is buried into enjoying the 
you're telling them, you're distracting them to download a white paper or download an ebook you did in partnership with 50 other SaaS companies in the world. I don't know, people, some SaaS companies see it as a thing of pride that they, they were able to partner with maybe 20 or 30 um, experts to bring up this maybe all encompassing lead magnets that you and I know that nobody reads like from the <laughs> beginning to the end, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you get what I'm saying. So that is what I still see so many companies guilty of. Within the content piece, when someone is really, really enjoying this thing and making sense of where you're taking them to, you go and disrupt them and tell them, download this ebook. And you know the worst part? When you click download that ebook, most times it takes you to a landing page, a thank you landing page, where they start asking questions like, oh, you want to book a call with me? This is somebody who was enjoying a content piece that if you had executed well, they would have seen how to use your product to solve their problem. I'm like, oh, let me just, it's free to use. It's, I have a free sign-up, no credit card. Let me just go in and jump into it. So that is one thing I see SaaS companies doing. That is within the content. And then at the bottom of the content, so many people still do this. You've told me how to solve my problem. You've told me a very good story. You've engaged me. Oh, I love this content piece. And then you get to the end of the content and tell me, tell me what you feel. Because you want to develop um, engagement. You want to you know, create another content and say how we're able to get 50 comments or 100 comments on our content piece. You know, to what end? You know, does it make any sense? You know, and I tell you, I don't want to mention names, but there are a couple of SaaS companies who still do this. I go to their site, I read a very powerful message, and their products are free to use. At the end of the content, the writer says, hey, I've taught you how to solve this. How do you go about solving this? To me, that's a lost opportunity. I love that. No, that's a good one, man. That, that really is. You know, getting comments in blog, is that a ranking factor in Google? I don't think so. So you're right. It doesn't really add value to... Doesn't? Yeah. Doesn't. Because if someone is really serious about solving a problem and they are on your site, that's where we have a chat bot or someone, someone mm. can just click and ask a question. Yeah. You know? Within the content, while they are reading and they are trying to exit, of course, you can use an exit pop-up because at that point, they were living. But within the content, if you see content marketing as a business tool and not just something you want to do because other SaaS companies are doing it, then you should be trying to use content to educate your ideal customers, tell them how your product is going to solve their problem. And once you do that, I, to me, like... That's the way I see it. And the way I see it is not the only way and it's not the best way to see it. But the way I see it is, if you've done that, if you've checked all those, if you've ticked all those checklists, tell the reader who you've engaged up to that point to solve your problem, to dive in. It's free to do so. Solve your problem. Start doing it now. So that's, yeah. that's, that, that's the way I see it. I love it. I love the passion. I'm curious as well, as to which businesses you think are really doing a great job with product and storytelling. You've mentioned a few examples already, like Slack and I think other places, but like which businesses are doing a great job of you know, the things that you talk about with product and storytelling? Okay, I'm going to 
pull my heart off for RFs and oh yeah, RFs they are nailing it. You know, you don't go to RFs and they don't even have a, they never have a comment section on their sites. And another thing about product-led storytelling, which I probably have missed, is you know the story is revolving around the product. So, for example, if let me take with the example I used before, if you're going to create a content about how to use podcasting to grow your SaaS business, something like that. And that content is being hosted on a, a product, is a, let's say a podcasting product, you know? In that case, when you tell, if you're going to tell them, you're going to tell the reader that, you know, sign up here once you've got like two or three persons who's going to talk about your show, those things you're saying, you're going to be using the product, you're going to be showing them how to do it with your product. That is something that RF does very well. RF is going to write a content piece that says how to increase your traffic. You know, and they tell you to increase your traffic, you're going to need to do keyword research. And they are not going to just tell you, you're going to need to know how to do keyword research. They're going to show you screenshots of how they are using their product to do keyword research. Mm. So they are educating you on how to do that thing but they are educating you with their product. So even it and doing this, it has so many other benefits that I have not even taken the time to articulate. It even does the onboarding. It helps with the onboarding because if you're creating a content piece that shows me where to click and what to do this, I want to do that. Once I dive into the product, what, what do you think will happen? I already know how to use the tool. So RFs is one example. Another very good example is Groove. Mm. So like, of course, Groove builds their business on storytelling. And Alex has done a very a very incredible job with Groove HQ. You know, when you go to Groove HQ, every content piece they write ends with a call to action to solve that problem that they address in that content with Groove. There is not just one that doesn't do that. Yeah. So they still have spaces for people to go back and ask comments, you know, and, you know, in the, in the case of group, comments come naturally. People just enjoy this content piece so much that they just feel the need to just, you know, go in there and say, wow, thank you so much for creating this content. But the way the content ends is to tell you that, oh, you've taught you how to do this. Why not take group for a spin? It's free to do so, you know, and within the body of the content, anything they want to talk about that group that the product does, they show you how to do it in real time. So Groove is a very good example. RF is a very good example. Another company that has really bought, recently bought into this product-less uh, storytelling is uh, Supermetrics. So mm. before now, their content piece really wasn't taken this direction. But I bet you that if you go to the last four, five, six, seven, ten content pieces, Supermetrics wrote, you observe that they cover every content is showing how the reader will use supermetrics to solve their problems. So that is, those are key yeah. companies I think. And then of course myself, because I'm practicing what I preach. Do I have a SaaS company for every content piece I wrote, I write has the same goal. Talk, tell the user how to, or the reader how to solve this problem, and then give them that feeling that they can actually solve this problem by working with me. That's really great examples. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's, and I'm going to go check out their blog 
those three companies now and see how they're doing it. I'm going to start wrapping up and ask this question I love asking every professional I talk to on this podcast. If you had one or two pieces of advice to product-led companies, whether that's founders, marketers, or even some uh, people in product, what would be their your two one or two pieces of advice about storytelling or product-led storytelling? The number one thing I'm going to say is, yeah, I may have talked in a way that made it sound like this is revolutionary, but I still want to say that this thing is not revolutionary. And most times, things like this, they are already in existence. Someone just was able to observe it and name it. So I don't take credit whatsoever for, yeah, I may have coined it, but there's nothing special about it. If I didn't do it, someone else would have done it along the line. So it is not a complete deviation from content marketing per se. It's just saying that you are a product-led company and you are either running, and by being a product-led company, you are either running a freemium model or a trial model. So if you're going to approach content marketing, you shouldn't still be approaching content marketing as if your product needed all those education and then the prospect needs to reach out to your sales team or you become a lead, become an MPO, become an SQ and all that. So your product is free to use. Look at content marketing as a business tool that will educate your ideal customers in a way that makes it logical for them to start using your product to solve their problems. So that's the first piece of advice I will give. And then the second piece of advice is while you go about the content creation, don't throw away the sales funnel. So when you do your keyword research, when you do your keyword research, common sense will make you understand the person who made this, this kind of search, they are at the bottom of the funnel. The person who made this kind of search, they are at the middle of the funnel. The person who made this kind of search, he probably doesn't know anything about this topic and he still needs a lot of education. So when you group your content approach with this format, what happens is that when you now want to go and write your content piece, you now have an understanding that this person I am writing, typical person I'm writing this content for, doesn't know anything about this topic. So I still have a lot to educate him on. You understand? That doesn't change the fact that I'm educating him in a way to you know, get him to start using my product. You look at the second group of people. These people are aware of this problem. Maybe they started experimenting or considering one or two um, um, solutions. You talk to those people in a way that you understand that this is where they are on the sales funnel. And then those people that go and start searching for top, um, top products to do this or free products to do this, you know that they are already sold. They know they need this solution. They know they need this problem. They need to start solving this problem. You still approach them because that is how you gain context and relevance. You have to know where they are before you decide where you want to take them to. So those are the two pieces of advice I can give right now. Those are great pieces of advice. Thank you for sharing that. And just one final question, Victor. Where can people find out more about your work? Where like this is essentially your call to action to the product-led podcast listeners. Okay, where I have, if you go to my site, victorido.com, you're going to see, I have a, a, a very exhaustive um, content piece. Usually, I should have turned that into an ebook. It's very long. It's about 8,000 words, where I try to create the, you know, where we came from and how 
it makes sense to adopt product less storytelling in your content marketing, your SaaS content marketing approach. I talked about how you have to group the content space into the ones that solve the problem for the customers and the ones that tries to build your brand. Because of course, you have to still build brand. And content marketing is a way of building brand. And then I equally have another content piece there, the nine step for a product less storytelling formula. So everything I have talked about here, I've grouped it, I've you know, really explained it into how it takes a, a typical reader from the top of the content to the bottom of the con to the to the bottom where you use copywriting to you know convert them and tell them to hey you enjoy this content based why not sign up so that framework has nine steps and I can't remember all the names right now but it's free it's open you can mm. go in there I don't have any um, I yes I have them in PDF format but that is if you cannot read it at the same time when you when you go online so or if you can read it, take time, go ahead and enjoy it. And that's where you can find it. Awesome, Victor. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it.